Uh, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're with us today. Uh, we're we're going to start a new series this morning called Living Like Jesus, where we'll look at a couple of elements of the life of Jesus and learn how to live like Jesus. I hope it's very explanatory just in the title itself. And this Sunday we are looking at the concept of rest. So as most of you guys know, uh, the Kittingers have two children. We have a seven-year-old son named Judah, and we have a four-year-old daughter named Isla. Uh, You guys know that, but just in case you didn't, that's kind of our family makeup. And in in most situations, when you have two kids, you you see their personality differences come out through their interests, things that excite them, even like the toys that they play with. You see what one kid likes versus what the other one doesn't like, and each kid is obviously unique. But in our household, there is no greater evidence of their differences than at bedtime. At bedtime, our son Judah, age seven, kind of relaxes. Once his body slows down, he relaxes and he goes to sleep pretty easily. It normally just takes a a chapter and a story, uh, maybe just a small conversation. doesn't have to do a lot. Once he lays down, calms down, and slows down, out. It's awesome. And there's some kind of debate in our family of who gets to lay down with Judah versus who gets to lay down with the other side of this example. Because, if you understand how example stories work, uh, you would know that the the sparkle in my eye, my sweet baby princess Isla, uh, could only be described at at nighttime as a a nighttime monster. Um, The the glitter, the, the princesses, all of that goes to the side at bedtime. When she becomes this almost impossible monster to get to slow down and calm down. And I think what fuels her nighttime kind of insanity is her parents' fatigue. When we're tired, she can feel it. And she's like, we're staying up longer. That's what's happening right here in this moment. It doesn't matter what story we read, uh, what conversation we have. She will motivate herself to throw just curveballs at us. Like, why is the economy in such bad shape? We're like, Isla, go to sleep. She's asking hard-hitting questions at night to do whatever she can to stay up just a minute longer than she's supposed to. Now, I want to share a clip here in just a minute of another individual who has difficulty with kids at sleep. Uh, A comedian that I've grown to really appreciate, his name is Jim Gaffigan. Maybe you've heard of Jim Gaffigan before. But in his household, Jim Gaffigan has four children. Why? But he has four children. Uh, why would you do that? But Jim Gaffigan has four children in his household, and he shares a little bit in this bit about what it's like trying to go to sleep with four kids. Let's uh, get that going, Miles. Four kids? Bedtime is a crisis. That's why I'm here right now. It's too hard. They act like they've never been to sleep before. Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation, but in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. Just stay in there. There's always one awake. Like they're taking shifts. All right, I'll annoy them from midnight to two. Who wants three to six? Now let's lie down and practice kicking them in our sleep. 
Because my wife has instituted this open door policy where if one of our kids has a nightmare, they're welcome to come in our room and pee in our bed. <laughs> Luckily, that only happens every night. All right, that's the end of the clip. Um, I, I love this clip for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we've been there. We've experienced those joys of parenting. But it reminds us that we could all use a little more rest. It's been said that as children, we fight sleep. But as adults, we fight for sleep. And so this morning, I want to identify two factors that I think lead to this need for rest or lack of rest. For me, I think there's two major contributing factors the first one that weighs us down, that causes fatigue, that, that makes us need more rest is the idea that we worry a lot. As people, we worry about a lot of things. We worry about finances, where our careers are, if you've got kids, what it's like to raise kids in today's society. And worrying can make us weary of what's next and how are we supposed to get there. But a second contributing factor is that we are busy. We live in a society where if you aren't busy, then you're lazy. If you aren't busy, are you really successful? If your calendar is not full from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., if you don't have meetings, conversations, whatever, are you really working hard? But in reality, that busyness can lead to burnout. And that burnout leads to my first example this morning. I saw a story recently about a New York City Supreme Court justice from the 1930s. I'm super fun. Uh, I love these fun stories from the 30s. But in the 1930s, this man right here, his name is Joseph Crater. He was a Supreme Court justice in the state of New York. And in the 1930s became the most missingest man in the world. This is their headline, not mine. But he was a justice who one day walked out of a dinner meeting and disappeared. To this day, there is still a lot of mystery around what happened to this man. People believe maybe there were mob ties, maybe he just disappeared off the face of the earth. We, we don't know, but for one reason or another, he was just gone. Now, before he vanished, he went to the bank, he cashed out everything, and left a note for his wife that just read, I am weary, Joe. Again, we, we don't know a lot about Joseph Crater. We don't know the details that were going on in his world. We don't know what weighed on him. But whatever those contributing factors were, they exhausted him to the point that he vanished and the last words that he left his family were, I am weary. I thought a lot about Joseph Crater this week because he probably didn't feel like he had anyone or anywhere to turn to. Friends, as a church, we do. Jesus talks a lot about this in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's look at that verse 28 there. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus tells his followers, if you need help, if you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, turn to me. For a moment, let those words just set on your heart. Come to me, all you who are weary. When you're stressed, when you're tired, where do you turn? 
I know what I do when, thing, when the weight of the world gets on my shoulders. I essentially ask for more. Or I refuse help. I often say, I've got this covered. I'm a cup of coffee or a Red Bull away from getting this project, this, this thing done. I know y'all have seen me drink Red Bull. I, it's a hot topic in our family too. Especially with Isla specifically. Um, she's like, I don't think it's giving you wings. Um, but I, I try to take on more of life than I can handle. Because I feel like I've got to do it. Even though I'm tired, even though I need rest, I feel like I've got to keep going. But these words of Christ that we see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, they are as true now as they were when he spoke them. We try to carry so much on our shoulders that the only thing it does is weigh us down. A fitting image of, is of the Atlas statue in New York City. Maybe you've seen this statue before. It's of a Greek god, and you probably, again, you've seen it before, but maybe you haven't connected the dots that I'm trying to connect here this morning. Because in this image, Atlas is literally carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. Often seen as a symbol of strength, I want you to imagine yourself in this scene. Picture the weight of your life and world on your shoulders. And if we are honest with ourselves, a lot of us exist like the statue. Like, I know I do. And the only difference between me and the statue is our name. I think some of you probably thought I was going to say our body, our physique, but it's our name. Again, in my notes, that joke was going to crush. But my, my point here is that instead of finding rest or turning to Jesus, when we are weary, we try and carry more and more of life's obligations. But I want you to see another image that's also found in New York City at St. Patrick's Cathedral. If you go inside of St. Patrick's Cathedral toward the altar, you would see this image. It's a small statue of a child of Jesus. But if you look closely at the picture, you'll see a spear, and you'll notice what's in his hand, and it's the world. You see the differences in the two images of Atlas taking the world on his shoulders, letting the world weigh him down, to Jesus reminding us that he is in control and that we don't have to put the weight of the world on our shoulders. And if we want to find that rest or that comfort, the thing that we must be willing to do is turn to Jesus, just like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. But we know that we need rest. And we know that we need to limit our commitments. Look at, for a moment at the words of, of David that Jeff read just a little while ago. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. This is one of the most well-known passages from the Bible. But I need you to see the language that David uses. He makes me. So I was looking at this sermon this Sunday, I kept thinking about the intentionality behind verse 2. That language is a reminder that God knows what we need. David knows that he wants to take everything on his shoulders, yet God commands him to rest and take care of himself. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I want to show you another image and it's an Australian sheep that was burdened with the weight of excess wool. I'm not kidding when I say that the name of this sheep is Ba Rock. It's a great sheep name. Top five sheep name, Ba Rock. Um, but this sheep 
wandered the, the Australian outback for years. Would you think for just a moment the weight that that sheep was carrying around? And the reason it wandered all over the Australian outback was because it didn't want anyone to touch it. It didn't want to be its wool to be sheared. It wanted to be kind of left alone. Again, that, that idea of, I've got it covered. I don't need any help. I can do this on my own. And then eventually, the sheep authorities, I suppose that's what they're called, um, sheep squad, uh, could, they eventually cornered this sheep and they cut it. Let's go to the next picture. They had some alls there, okay. Noted. Cute animal pictures. Helps with sermons. But for a moment, look at the, let's go back real quick, Miles. Look at that sheep. Now, we can't really see its eyes. We can't see its facial expressions. But you can feel the weight of the wool on that sheep. Let's go to the next one. That sheep has life in it. Now, I'm, I'm clearly making a, a connection between wool and weight and the burdens that we carry around. But I promise you this animal was completely different once it had the weight of that wool lifted. I imagine that life came back to the sheep But a primary element that factors into our need for rest is that we overcommit. We take on so much in our worlds. Often, we are hesitant to say no to anyone or anything. This has a lot to do with our our culture's fear of missing out. And as, as I was thinking about this, I thought about the words of Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Warren suggests that we do three things as a people. Let's get the sheep out of their mouths. I think they're distracted by the cuteness. Um... But Rick Warren suggests that we do three things. He says we should divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Warren's words shed light on how intentional we need to be regarding the need for rest and finding it. There are things that right now in your week that are weighing you down. That dare I say you probably don't need to do. If it's sucking the life out of you and draining you, Maybe you need to divert daily. If there are weekly commitments that are, again, draining you, maybe that's something to look at to say, I'm going to withdraw weekly from this. Now, I've shared this text recently on Wednesday nights, but in Acts chapter 20, we see another story about fatigue. The text begins in verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. This is one of the scariest passages in the Bible for a lot of us. Because Paul knows he's leaving the next day. He ain't worried about making people mad. He's like, I'm going to the next town. I've got notes. I've got something to say. And we're going until midnight. So Paul just talks. Let's go to the next verse. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. I love this story for a lot of different reasons. One, classic preacher joke right in front of us. Eutychus, too, if you fell out of a window. There you go. You can save that one for later. No one laughed. Thank you. Um, it was a tough crowd today. It's post-Easter energy. Um, but Eutychus, he falls, out, he falls asleep. Paul's preaching, he falls asleep, falls out of the window, and he's dead. Now Paul resurrects this man. Let's go to the next verse. 
Then he went upstairs again, broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. I love that line. Paul's like, look, we raised that dude from the dead, going back to my lesson. Did he just resume where he was in the notes, or did he change things up a little bit? But go back one more time, Miles. But I want you to see really what happens to Eutychus. We, we don't know a lot about this man. This is the only reference to Eutychus that we get in the Scriptures. We don't see him later on showing up in, in, uh, in Corinthians, nothing like that. We don't see this guy again. But for a moment, do you see it? That this man was so tired he died. He was so exhausted, so fatigued, that in a moment when he sat down, passed out, fell out of a window, and died. And we look at this story a lot, and we look at it as Paul doing a miraculous thing, which is true. But Paul had to do a miraculous thing because this man was so exhausted it killed him. Yeah, we don't know a lot about Eutychus. We don't know what kind of job he had. We don't know what was going on at home. But the one thing that I would tell you that Eutychus needed was rest. He needed an opportunity to slow down, take a break, and breathe. I heard a phrase a, a while ago that I've loved. I, I've written it down on just about everything. It's on my computer. It's, you cannot travel faster than the person that you are following. And we've got that on the screen, Miles. Thank you. I want to read it just one more time. That you cannot travel faster than the person that you are following. Over the next few weeks, we are looking at the ways that Jesus lived. The things that Jesus did intentionally and purposefully. The way that he rested, the way that he removed himself from situations, the way that he laughed, remembered, and respected people. But Jesus lived an intentional life where he rested. Even during storms, Jesus found time to rest. Even when the disciples were like, hey, it's storming, and Jesus is like, I'm sleeping. But even in those difficult moments, Jesus found time to rest and debrief. He found time to breathe and sleep after healings, after miracles, after teaching, after being around person after person after person. Jesus rested. And one of the things that I believe will help us out is that if we take a deep breath and slow down. Another phrase that, that I've really tried to cling on to right now is, I will live slower so that I can live longer. I think about how much of a hurry that I'm in as a person. There are days where I feel like I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Where it's getting Judah to practice, getting Isla somewhere, doing different things where it feels like we're going, going, going. But when we live life that fast, we miss moments. And often we exhaust ourselves. Jesus says these words in Mark chapter 8. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Friends, if we are too tired to serve, if we are too exhausted to love, if we are too worn down to give, what's the point? And so this week, this is my challenge. As we attempt to live like Jesus... Let's slow down a little bit. 
Let's look for those moments in our life where we can rest, really connect with God, and realize that if we are not recharged, if we don't find those periods of relaxation, of rest, to combat our exhaustion, our weariness, and our busyness, guys, we're just going to burn out. So in a weird way, it's all I've got. I've tried to be doing a little kind of shorter sermons recently, and this week I'm doing that intentionally. But I don't know if I've ever heard any complaints about a short sermon. And so that's all I've got. This week, take some time to rest. Let's stand and sing together.